Hey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, I Totally Relate. I'm Rissy. And I'm Shelves. And we hope you guys can totally totally relate. Hey, hey, welcome back to I Totally Relate. We are so glad you guys are here with us. Real quick. Just a reminder, go sign up for our newsletter if you haven't had a chance to do so. And give us a follow on Instagram. We hang out there a couple of times a week. It's a great place for us to share when we have new episodes and what other fun things we have going on. So we are so excited to share the second half of our conversation with Shelly. A few things that she talks about in this particular conversation is mental health and mental illness. Uh, a new way of looking at that that I think is really inviting and a fresh perspective. She talks about how we can accept what is offered to us in and being able to receive versus transactional interactions. We talk about finding balance. And we also talk about the fear of rejection. So a lot of really good one-liners and a ton of wisdom. So without any further ado... Please welcome Shelly back to the podcast. Okay, so I love talking to you about like being creative and being a writer. Like how did you get how did you get into this? Like so I just read an article that was published in a magazine. It's a it's a nonprofit journal. It's the Big Ocean Women. Um, it's so like you're it's legit. a nonprofit so how did you maternal get feminist organization that I work with. I just made some connections with some people uh, years ago and, and started it's all about by connections. And it really is, right? It's like I started I didn't mean to cut you I off. I started I'm having a really great conversation with someone and they were like, you know, you a lot of the ideas you talk about would fit with this group yeah. I, I work with. And they do amazing things because what they're trying to do as an organization is offer spaces for women to come and work together and connect with one another. Wow. And, and try and solve problems generatively within their own communities instead of people coming from without the community and solve mm, their problems, mm, right? Mm, Let's yes. give yes. people the tools to recognize what's in them and work on their own problems yes. and solve them. Because yes. when problems are solved externally, it very rarely lasts. Yeah. Also, because right? a lot of that time, it's you're problem solving it from your perspective right. on what you think right. in your current Again, situation. Again, you're pushing your idea your of what's agenda. the right answer yeah. Instead of coming else. in and saying... What's happening here? Yeah. What's going on? What are you feeling? What do you need? Right. Yeah. So that, that idea yeah, one of this of the, outside force coming in. One of the in. things that I've been able to do with them is go to the UN Commission on the Status of Women as an advocacy writer and just spend time interviewing women who've come to the UN from all around the world to, you know, advocate for themselves and mm-hmm. say, hey, this is Whoa. what we need in our communities. And I've yeah. talked to women from, you know, Nigeria and from Sweden and, you know, just every place in between and just done interviews to talk about their story. And and they just want to be heard. They just want not necessarily someone to solve their problems, but mm-hmm. to get into a space where there are other people that they can collaboratively go, okay, that is a great, like, let's yeah. collaboratively come up with solutions, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because when we come together, we find d- a dynamic way of solving problems. Yeah. 
a um, more sustainable, and, yes, a more, more sustainable. We can talk about what's really important to us, find the things that are within us, yeah. and and then we can solve the problems. Yeah. So that's been a really interesting thing to do. And I started writing an article for them. So the one, yeah, the article I wrote last month was about how our environments shape us, right? Oh. And this idea of. Of environmental commodification. Yeah. Because we put a price on everything. Instead of looking at how a relationship with something shapes us and informs us, we look at it only for its value, like the money value. Yeah. Yeah. How much you can profit. How much you can profit off of it, which discounts spirituality, which discounts connection, which discounts like maternal nurturing. Like how much do we get from the environment around us that is nurturing our souls? Yeah. And all of those things that shape who we are. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're just we're just putting a dollar price on it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I think that we do that to ourselves as well. Yeah. It's this idea of, of what, what is worth something mm-hmm. and is my work, the work I'm doing, whether that's, you know, taking care of children, whether that's, you know, creating my home, whether that's writing, whether that's like an external job. Right. What is that worth? And we only see it for the dollar amount it's worth mm. instead of what it's offering. Yeah. Whether that offering is to others or ourselves, right? And so I think moving back towards a more grounded idea of how we intertwine together and what we offer each other, instead of putting this commodified dollar price on everything we do, is more sustainable. Yeah. And, and also can shape, like, explicitly, if we're going to apply it to environmental causes, like we will see our environment around us as more of a stewardship yeah. instead of a profit-based yeah. type of thing. Something we take yeah, from, we take from. We take. Instead, it's something we take care of. Right. And by taking care of, that, uh, of it, it offers us something. Right. Mm. Instead of what can I profit, it's what, what is it offering. Which is similar, but it's enough different oh, to like really, really change mm. the way we interact with the world around us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I notice that sometimes there's a lot of things going on and it's it's the opposite, but it's the same. Mm-hmm. It's like the profit versus the offering. Right. Similar. They're similar. But Totally but different. totally different. The outcome is totally different. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Well, one is more feeling. One is more feeling. One is more nurturing. Mm-hmm. One is present. more present. You have to, like, really be aware of what's happening. Open-mindedness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because those things offer different things to different people. Mm-hmm. So allowing that space to be more than one thing. Wow. Yeah. Right? It's not just what I see it as. It's what other people see it as. Yeah. versus we're just cut and drying, giving it a price, making it a profit, mm-hmm. making it a transaction, mm-hmm. yeah. right? A lot of the problem, I think, with how we interact with other people and the environment around us is that we make it transactional. Yep. What can you offer me? Yep. Yeah. And if you can offer me something, I will offer you something. Instead yeah. of offering in a nurturing, sort yeah. of generous way, what we have to offer the world and seeing what comes back. Yeah, and then yeah. because when you offer, you allow yourself to receive. Yes. And, and the opportunity to see unexpected things that you can receive, uh-huh. right? Transactional, you know exactly what you're going out yeah, for. Yeah, like I have an outcome yes. that is coming. Give me this thing that I am expecting and you to give And if it's not me. that exact same way, then yeah. it's wrong. Right. Where receiving. Or not good enough. Right. Yes. And what, $200? Your 150s, no yes. good. Yes. Yeah. Not and good so enough. And so versus taking like this 
when you offer, you are receiving in a sense. Yes. And when and then you, you're open to the unexpected things that you can also receive. Yes. Oh. Because you haven't gone into it with this predetermined idea mm. of what I'm going to get from this situation. Yeah. I want to ask for this thing. Instead, you're open to the unexpected, like mm. beautiful things that can come your way through it. And mm. you end up getting so much You end up more. getting so much more. So much more. So much more. And and in more than just a physical sense, in a spiritual sense, yeah. in an emotional sense, yes. in a way that like feeds our souls. Yes. Well, and helps the outcome yeah. overall, the general arch of your life. Right. Because it's more in, than just a moment. It becomes an experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my younger brother not very long ago, and we were talking about mental health. Mm -hmm. And he said something that, like, really struck me, and I've noticed it kind of be reinforced a couple of different times. And in reading your article, once again, I was like, oh, yeah, is this like what Matt said? But we were talking <laughs> about um, how mental health has become really mental illness in the right. last 100 years and right. what has changed in the last 100 years. And, and you talked about, like um, – you know, the classification of drugs and, and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But also, we we live in concrete jungles instead of living in, in real environmental spaces. Yeah, and you talked right? about that in your article, and I was yeah. like, like blown getting, away. Like getting out. I love rainy days, but I'm torn because, one, I either want to sit next to a fire with a book and read, or I want to go walk in the rain and get very mm -hmm. like soaking yeah. wet and drenched. That second option is something we don't do anymore. Yeah. We don't get out into the physical spaces. We protect ourselves we protect actually ourselves. from those elements. Yeah. <sighs> I, I was really struck over like quarantine because even though we live in an area that is so accessible to the outdoors, to the yeah. wild, mm -hmm. people were staying completely indoors. And I'm like, that's something you can do. You get out. Yeah. Like you get out. But I found myself even doing that, right? Yeah. So it's it's getting out and experiencing those spaces and making it part of who you are yeah. and accepting that. I've always thought it was funny. I My family moved around a lot when I was younger. I've lived in California. I've lived in Oregon. I lived in North Dakota. I've lived here. And they all have their unique beauties mm -hmm. to offer. Yeah. And it becomes a part of how I remember and a part of, like, my experiences at that time in my life yeah. and a part of, like, how I interact with the world mm -hmm. and a part of how I see things. But we have to allow ourselves to get out into it. And I think it would change, like, our emotional states. I know for me when I get out into wilderness, into the wild, Maybe it's not that wild. I'm on a path. Uh, <laughs> right? But there's but less when I get outdoors, right? Elements. We are not as walled in. Yeah. And like those physical walls create emotional walls as well. Mm. I notice that even in like my neighborhood. Yeah. So I love it's I love Dutch doors, and if you've ever seen them, it's a door that is two parts, so you can open the top half. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, 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 Beauty okay. and the Beast, that's yes, what I'm thinking of. That is that. So this year, my husband put a Dutch door on our front door, oh. and I love it. It is amazing, yeah. and I leave it open all the time. Yeah. And just that act of leaving the top half of the door open, mm. I've noticed I interact with my neighbors more. 
It's an because invitation. The, it's an invitation. It's like the, the bottom is still closed. I still have my boundaries. Yeah. But the top is open. Come up and have a conversation. And I see people who are walking by oh. and, and we talk. And it's a little bit like the front porch used to be when people used to have front porches or when they used to sit on them. Yeah. Um, but it's, <laughs> right? But I, it physically represents like leaving something open. Yeah. And I have had conversations with strangers walking, you know, walking their dogs, walking by the house because they see me. Yeah. And it is like almost an embodiment of yeah. something that's happening. And yeah. I have loved it. It's It's been so. Yeah. But I think we like maybe not physically, like don't everyone go out and get a Dutch door. But like we figuratively need to remove the walls mm -hmm. from our lives. Yeah. Like those physical walls step outside of our door. Mm. I, I do love fantasy. And in the hobbit the the main character he s says something like it's dangerous setting your setting foot outside of your front door because you never know what adventure is waiting for you and i think we've gotten caught up in the dangerous part yeah. instead of the adventure part yeah right step out make yourself vulnerable things will happen you can't control it all but but it's going to be interesting and you're yeah. going to have an adventure and you're going to have a conversation and you're going to make a connection. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I, I do think too that like doing those things would change the way we see the way we all process. Yeah. And maybe instead of seeing things necessarily as mental illness, we might see them as we work differently. Yeah. Our brains work differently and that's okay. Yeah. Some people need a little bit more support. Some people need a little bit less. It's not, we're not broken because of that. Yeah. We're just different. Yeah. So. And society as a whole has kind of just gathered around these one, two, three ways. Yeah. It, but yeah. there's still four, five, six, like the list is endless yeah, of things like, that we need like, to Yeah, like let's operate. use the things that we know, but let's also open ourselves to the things that are also available that are maybe yeah. non-traditional, that are yeah. that are different, that, yeah. that we weren't aware of. Yeah. So. Let's let ourselves feel the things. We need to feel the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. This is like church. This is uh, this is college. This is like a, a learning and a and a growing <laughs> and like a replenishment. Okay, so I I w read your article, and then I opened it up and reread it again, uh -huh. and then I was like. <laughs> To my husband, I'm like, come here. Hold on. I have to read this to you. And I didn't recognize it when I was just reading it by myself. But when I was reading it out loud, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is very. And you mentioned before, like when you're working with the United Nations, like you do a lot of like feminist work. Yes. And when I was reading the article out loud to my husband, I was like, oh, sorry. I got like all woman on you. <laughs> and I didn't realize. My, kids, my son says that too. You're, you're, you're doing the feminist thing right now, aren't you? And I <laughs> like, love it so much. No, I'm so doing the much. human thing, dear. Uh, <laughs> Yes, thank yeah. you. So I loved that aspect of it. Can you t tell me a little bit more? Like, so I, yeah, like that it. work is feminist, but it's feminist in the way that we need to make room at the table for everyone, mm -hmm. right? It's not that, I think the core of feminism is not that women are trying to take spaces away from people who are at the table. It's saying we need a larger table. I think that's true. I think that's true of all diversity work. Yes. Right? Um, I was talking to someone who was an author who was like, it doesn't feel to me like there is a voice for like straight white men in writing right now. And I'm like, that's not true. They're just, we just need a 
we need a bigger table. We need yeah. we need more publishing. We need more, you know, we need to allow voices yeah. that are different from yours that doesn't make your voice invalid. Yeah. Right? And that tends to be, I think, again, that defense reaction that mm. everyone has when something that's different to them comes comes. Yeah to their attention and says, hey, look at, look at this, right? Look yeah. at this need. Um, yeah, we need a bigger table. Yeah. We need more conversation. We need more interaction. But again, it's re-looking at the way we do things. And I think because of the way systems have been designed, because they've been controlled by the people that they've been controlled by, and because certain people have certain focuses we have fallen into this trap of commodifying everything, mm -hmm. right? Because we have to put a price on it. We have to make it um, mean something. And, and to a lot of people, meaning something means it's valued as something. And feminism, to me, means bringing more of the maternal influence in it. And the maternal influence is all about nurturing yeah. and seeing what we can offer to the environment around us instead of what we can take from it. Mm -hmm. And I think these two opposing forces, yeah. they are not conflicting. It's, it's two forces that one has been unbalanced for a really long time. Yeah. And so it's gone to the extreme. Yeah. And so let's see how we can pull it back and say, yes, we need like the we need to be able to make a living. Right. We need we need money and we need those sorts of things. We need market forces. But can we balance those market forces with nurturing forces that say we don't have to take everything out of the world? We don't have to strip it. We don't have yeah. to um, ignore the things that are offered to us just the way things are. Mm. Yeah. We don't have to close off and yeah. limit space. Yeah. We can we can see things more. for the beauty that they are, and yeah. then and then look at other opportunities, mm -hmm. right? I thought this too about when I was when I was in school, and I I am what they consider a non traditional student, except I'm not because so many people are non traditional. Yeah, I started having kids really young. Um, and so I have, I wasn't finished with college, yeah. but I knew I wanted to be home with my kids. So I just did one or two classes at night yeah. and my husband was with the kids. He worked on the campus I went to school on. And so we would, I would load all of the babies in the car because we had these four under five. And so they would all be in their car seats and I would drive the car onto campus and he would drive the car off of campus with the babies and take the babies home. And I would go and I would learn. And that was great. And it was like a time for me to replenish myself. And I loved doing it. Um, but I had that thought that, like, this is a learning environment. And why are we not recreating some of our environments to allow, like, women with children to yeah. allow this? Like, why are we not changing the physical spaces yeah. to make things and knowledge and experiences more accessible instead of saying no you made your choice yeah or now like you if, have to wait if you want to join this then you you're have going to give have to something conform. up right yeah why do we have to give part of our essential nature up yeah to continue to grow yeah and why don't we just change the space well yeah why can't we bring bring it along right Ooh, because right. guess what because as much as that limits a young mother who wants to have a family yeah. that also limits a father's ability to connect with his right. family right because we assume that that it doesn't matter to them yes and so the isolation from his family is normal and yeah. that's okay 
You know, the mom stays home with the kids, takes care of the kids. The dad is gone. He doesn't have much of a relationship. He comes home at like six or seven at night, puts the kids to bed, has dinner, and that's it. Yeah. That's limiting not only for the women, but for the men. Yes. And it's saying that to the men, the relationships don't matter. And to the women, the progress doesn't matter. And so, yeah, we need to look at how... In a in a realistic way, we can change the like change the physical spaces. Yes, that say you have to work like this. A, a job looks like this. Yeah, and I think we've started to do that. I think like so much, at least in the creative field, right? There is no longer a pipeline to a nine to five job that's going to last until you're 60 and you're going to get a retirement. Like, I don't think that exists in any industry. Yeah. And I think even more in the last year, we've discovered how much we can do from home, yeah. how much we can do with our kids and our dogs and our messy lives impinging on it. Yeah. And actually how much more that feeds our creativity yeah. and allows us to be successful. Yeah. And so I hope that's something that we can like build on yeah. and go, yes, there's a time for time in an office that is distraction free Mm -hmm. but also you know I can scrawl ideas on a notepad with a crayon because it's the first thing that came to my (laughs) hand because it's on the table and you know I work with women who are amazing who do these things at the UN with a baby on their hip yeah and why why not why not yeah. You know, it's not a distraction. It's not something that is lessening the experience. Well, we can't be so overly stimulated that your life is distracting. Right. The life like, is the point. Exactly. Yeah. The life is so the So we point. need to take the life with us into yes. all of the spaces. Instead of assuming that all of these gains we're making, that's the point. It's not. Like mm. the living is the point. Well, also, I think that you're doing a disservice to this younger generation or, you know, those who are learning from you when you pretend that you don't have those things. Right. When you show up as only yourself and you're not, you're not letting in that you have a baby at home or, or whatever it is, because in order to see it or in order to be it, you have Have to to see see it. it. Right. I think that that's true about like all diversity. Yes. Right. It's why it's important to see more diverse faces, to hear more diverse voices. We have to be able to see that it's possible. And it's really hard for that first person who's like, no, let me show you my mess. Mm -hmm. Right. But I've noticed this even like among teaching with professors and things like that. They don't bring their personal lives into the classroom Mm -hmm. as much as I think would be helpful for our students Mm -hmm. to see the things that you are doing with your work, the things that you are dealing with in your lives, the way you're balancing, you know, education and work and family and and that family is the most important part of it yeah right that we're bringing that life Mm -hmm. into everything we do and as a writing professor like I know other professors that are hesitant to tell their students about the rejections they get or the revisions they have to do in their work and I'm like no no no, look at my mess yeah look at this rejection letter let's laugh at it because if I don't laugh at it with you I might cry about it alone and that's worse. Yeah. Right? Mm, so yeah. let's talk about rejection. Let's talk about failure. Let me tell you how I have failed. I think like bringing those moments into learning environments, into professional environments, it makes everyone grow. Yes. Mm. Right? Yes. So it, we push it, further together than we do isolated and pre- presenting this perfect front. Yep. It makes things possible instead of making I mean I just feel like so much of my life I've just been living in imposter syndrome yeah like because we're presenting that perfect image yes 
Right. But what I'm really learning is like, oh, no, this is definitely possible for me. And guess what? It's possible for you, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think in one way, I, you know, I've never been afraid to really try something new. And that has gotten me into trouble. (laughs) 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 But I remember when when my oldest was, oh, my gosh, she was going into first grade. She was a cute little five-year-old. And her elementary school had joined PTA. Right. Mm-hmm. You just you join PTA. I hadn't ever been to a single meeting. I hadn't done anything like that. I just paid the ten dollars to join the PTA. <laughs> and something happened and their PTA president that was supposed to be president the next year couldn't do it. And no one on the committee would do it. And then <laughs> they just start calling PTA members and they call me and, I, and they're like, so we're looking for a PTA president for next year. We're wondering if you'd be interested. <laughs> and stupid 26-year-old me. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and I'm showing up to my first PTA meeting with a baby and a baby carrier and a two-year-old on my hip going, what do we do, girls? What is this? <laughs> Show me, show me what we're supposed to do, right? And so I've never been, <laughs> I've never been afraid of like showing people like the mess of my life in the background, yeah. Because I just take it with me, yeah. I love and that. I worked as I worked as a caterer for my parents for a long time, and and it was just like load the babies up, take them to the reception, and let them play while you cook the food, yeah. And then load the babies up and take them home. And I honestly like it made for a lot of really interesting stories, a lot of funny, th- but a lot of really good connections, right? Yeah. And I think we could do with a lot more of that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. To yeah. show everyone our lives. Yeah. And and it. I think we would create a different world yeah. if we did that. Well, I like that, yeah. though, too, because I think that in a sense, though, like you're giving me permission that it's okay that I'm just who yeah. I am. Yeah. And, um, and so that, I think... Is, is important to see other people showing up as themselves and you give them permission to be themselves. Right. By being yourself. By being yourself. Right. By, right. you know, you just mentioned something that made my my heart skip a beat. I'm like, showing your rejection letter? Yes. Are you crazy? Yeah, I thought that the first time I did it. And I'm then... Like, but honestly, it was one of those situations <laughs> where I think, I think I had gotten it like a half hour before the class I was going to teach. And so that rejection was really new. Yes. And it was really stinging. Yes. And it was like, you know, this was this was a journal I had sent some poetry into that I really wanted to publish in. And I was feeling those feelings. And, you know, a lot of times you're feeling the feelings and you got to go do something else and you just push them down. Uh-huh. And I walked into a room full of creative writers teaching a creative writing class and went, you want to know what creative writing is? Let me show you. It's rejection, but it's also acceptance. And it's also being able to have a voice and like say the things that you want to say. It took me a long time to like get political with my writing Mm -hmm. because I was really afraid that people would be like, I don't know, I don't want I don't yeah. want to know what yeah. your opinion is. Like, I want the pretty things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I can balance. I can yeah. have the pretty things and I can have the politics and yeah. I can talk about what my opinion yeah. really is. So now I walked into that classroom and I was like, let's look at my rejection letter, guys. Let's look at what they say. <laughs> yeah. And then one of the, one of my students, actually, we were looking at it and she's like, well, so they actually suggested that you do something. That means they actually read it. <laughs> and I'm like... 
Thank you for finding my silver lining. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. And I think a lot of times actually it is in like those really emotional, vulnerable moments that other people can come in and help support you and go, no, it's not as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, look, yeah. someone else published you, so you're okay. Yeah. So as a writer, as anyone doing creative work, I think rejection is just part of life. Yeah. So you have to like embrace it. Mm-hmm. But I think anyone experiences that. But mm-hmm. we're afraid of yeah. rejection. Yeah. Right? yeah, I fear rejection. We I, fear rejection. Yes. As a creative, you have to embrace it. Because yes. if you fear rejection, you will never submit anything. You'll never, you know, I teach a dance writing class. Uh, they would never dance in front of anyone. The theater students would never audition for anyone because they're going to be rejected, right? That's just part of it. And so part of our job as as instructors is to get them used to that rejection. I think that would be so useful for everyone. Yeah. Right? I I can't tell you how much that would have helped me Mm. seeing other people say, I failed. Yeah. And this is what I learned. I got turned down from grad school the first Mm -hmm. time I applied. Objectively, it was probably the best thing that could have happened because I looked at my writing samples and went, no, I turned in as my writing samples what I thought they wanted to see. And... The next time I applied, I turned in what I wanted to write and I got accepted. And so I think like failure is one of those things that we can grow from. Like it's this this idea of fixed versus growth mindset. What is going to help us grow? What is going to keep us in one place? And failure helps us grow. Yeah. Staying in one space doesn't help us grow. Mm-mm. But we are, we have designed our lives. I look even at like academics with my son who's in high school and, and we've designed our lives around this idea of if you get a bad grade or if you fail in anything, you won't get into the college you want to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You won't get the job you want to get to. Your life is ruined going mm-hmm. forward. And, and that's not true. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, it's hard for me because I think that I felt very sensitive to those things in my childhood. Yeah. So all of those rejections, all of the uh, disconnections on corrections or whatever it was. And I think that you become so afraid to fail that you end up not trying at all. Yeah. Right. And and if we could coach children, then, then to I look don't at- think... That we would have such right. crippled adults. Right. Like, I... Yes. Because like, we don't tell them that it's okay to fail. Well, because right? you didn't share with me that you've also failed. So yeah. you graded my paper. So, yeah. you, you you crossed with a red pen. Mm-hmm. You told me all of the things. Oh, my gosh. And I as hate you, red pens. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, so like, traumatic. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. this, this yes. scene is, like... And then you passed it out in front yeah. of... All of my peers, Mm -hmm. all of my peers. And the first thing that the person next to me sees is the big mark of I, whatever it was. But instead of, instead of saying like, I think that, I think that it's important Mm -hmm. to know the decisions that you made were wrong. I think it's important to correct and to know and and improve and, and, and to have that growth in things. But if, if we could start at a young age implementing these ideas that you don't have to show up perfectly, but you would just have to have progress. Right. And I think like if you're a movie person, um, what's the movie? Sandra Bullock, uh, The Blind Side. The Blind Side. And, and it's they, so good. It's so good. Yeah. But there was a really big lesson that I loved out of that movie was from the moment that that, that boy started his English class mm-hmm. and the teacher realized that he doesn't have any roots 
right. any established nourishment. Yes. And so it didn't matter that you didn't keep up with the curriculum. It mattered that you made progress. Right. And if I could have learned at a young age of where I was, and if I was only making progress off of what I learned mm-hmm. versus saying, you have to keep up with everyone else. You have to be better than everybody else. Right. And, and also acknowledging that, you know, maybe you have a student or maybe you're a person who doesn't have those roots. Maybe you have different roots, right? So looking at someone who comes into my classroom who has a different life experience mm-hmm. than what is normal for the mm-hmm. students in my classroom. And and acknowledging that lived life experience as being different yes. and and a contributing factor yes. to what they're doing. Yeah. And saying, okay, so tell me about your experience yes. and let's base your learning on what your experience is yes. and how it's going to help you in your life instead of figuring that everyone fits in the same box. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what I love about that is, you know, going back to that movie is – she realizes that he just doesn't have great writing skills, right. but he has really but he has great communicating skills. Yes. yes. And so I think that's you just nailed that where it's saying, OK, we have differences. Let's see what we mm-hmm. both know and how can we connect? Yeah. One how of my can best, we connect? One of my best students in the last year, really, he struggled because he felt like he wasn't a very good writer. And he's like, I can't. He's like, I can't write. I get in front of the computer and my mind blanks and I can't put anything on paper. And I'm like, but this, like, we have great conversations. In class, you are the one who is giving back what I need to hear. So what happens when you get in front of a computer screen? And I said, have you tried dictating your papers to your phone, like using text? Meaning like talking Like using voice to text, Yeah. right? I want you to try that. And he created amazing work because it's getting into that space where he feels comfortable, right? It's communicating versus like sitting in front of a screen where he doubts himself and feels like he's going to fail. And then I'm like, take that, put it on your paper, shape it, revise it. And he's like, but that's not how you write. And I'm like, why not? Yeah. Why can't that be how you write? Why can't that be Why how Why can't that be part write? of your process? And yeah. I think we underestimate discovering our own process. <sighs> because in my mind, I'm like, no, I sit in front of a computer and I write. And that's not true. Because I'm thinking about what I'm going to write on for a really long time. And I find myself having ideas and sending myself voice texts Yeah. for days before I sit down at the computer and so I've got all of this stuff. Yeah. I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing that same work. Yeah. But conceptually I'm not saying to him as a student the work doesn't begin when you sit in front of the computer. The work begins yeah. sooner than that and it can begin in non-traditional ways. It yeah. can begin by having a conversation. It's just being aware enough to it's see it. It's being aware. It's seeing the oh, connections, yeah. right? It can it can begin as I like talk to another person. It could begin as I you know, record myself talking about what my questions are about this and and where I want to follow it and then putting it on the page and then shaping our, it because we're afraid of failing. When we're on the page, it's like written down and it yeah. seems concrete. Yeah. Right. And I think that's in life, too. When when it's something that we see as a concrete life experience, if we change it, we view that as failure instead of revising. Yeah. Right. We're shaping. I fail. I just revised. <laughs> I, I'm shaping my experiences. I'm looking for the next right answer. Yeah. Um, the word essay, and I'm an essayist. I'm a, I'm a nonfiction creative writer. The word essay means to try or to experiment upon. 
So why are we not experimenting upon the ideas in our life instead of figuring we have the right answer and if it's wrong, we've failed, Yeah. right? Mm. So it's, it's pulling into this idea of playing with and experimenting on and growing from where we're at instead of feeling like if we don't look like everyone else, if we don't respond or have the same answers or the same life experiences, we are wrong or we have failed at what we're supposed to be yeah. doing. Yeah. So... Everyone's purpose is important, indeed. right? But when you see someone who's like realizing their purpose, I think like, yeah. It's but I think that that's one of the reasons why I love being a teacher yeah. because it's being in that space where I have the availability and the opportunity to say, okay, this is what I've chosen to do with my creativity. This is what I've chosen to do with the awareness that I'm trying to develop, which is not where I want it to be yet. But I'm trying, and I'm yeah. noticing, and I'm observing, and I'm open. So let me show you how it's impacted my life, and let. Let's see what you can do. And let you right? and, and, and allow you find. You. Yeah, it's being in that room when they have the realization that they can make a difference. Well, when you allow someone, uh, yeah, yeah, that's magic. Like being a teacher is. I I I never envisioned myself being a teacher. Yeah. Right. I I taught elementary school orchestra for a while when my kids were younger. You hand 30 kids an instrument that makes noise, it was chaos. And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is not something I want to do with my life, Yeah. right? Yeah. And the idea has come to me several times, like, over my life. Like, maybe you should be a teacher. I'm like, no, that is not what I want to do with my life. I yeah. don't want to do that. Um, and then I walked into that college classroom as a teacher, as a grad student, because they give you the, the grad class to teach. And I walked out and went, no way. Damn it. I'm a teacher. Dang yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I did not think that's where this was going. <laughs> I'm a teacher. Once again, that's like the example you were sharing with your student where, you know, he's in front of a screen and he's like, yeah. I'm not a writer. Is, yeah. It's, it's again being, I think the best teachers don't tell their students the right answer. I think they help them find the right answer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? They're facilitators instead of dictators mm -hmm. because everyone's process is different and everyone's yeah. creativity is different. And yes, if you're in a math class, two plus two is four. But some people's brains work in a different way that like the beauty of it is that they can find yeah. new things. So if you're not allowing the space for their own creativity to go, let's find these new discoveries, yeah. right? Even in like science-based knowledge, which we think is very straightforward, yeah. you have to allow that individuality. Yeah. But with writing especially, yeah. right? It's like, tell me the spaces, the places, the environments that make you feel creative. Yeah. Tell me when you feel like you're connecting and let's let's experiment on that. Let's plumb that to its depths and figure out if you can create those for yourself, right? If you feel mm. like you are your most authentic self in this type of environment and you can do the work you need to do in this type of environment, how can you curate things in your life so that that is the environment you live in? Yeah so that you are your most creative, productive, you know, uh, aware yeah. self. Yeah. So that mm. helps me recognize that that's why it's important for any individual, no matter what your interest is, to do the work. Yes. Because... It's individual work. Yes. It's, so that you can curate the spaces that yeah. you, as an individual, feel the most safe, seen, and validated in. Right. And, and that's going to be wildly different right. than what mine is right. or, or anybody else. Yeah. 
But the thing that matters is what you. Right. And some yeah. of those are physical spaces and some of those are emotional spaces. Yes. Right? Absolutely. I love, um, my husband and I, we love to go to like home shows together. Uh-huh. And one of the reasons I love to do it, I mean, I, I like to look at pretty houses, but it's so fascinating to me how different people's homes are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get into a home that you know someone has like they've designed for themselves and Mm -hmm. you can feel it and you can see what their interests are and and what they're passionate about and and start to see them like pulling into their own identity yeah and it that it it is so fascinating to me going into someone's home you can learn more about someone in their home in five minutes than you can learn from a year or two of casual conversation because you're seeing the environment they're creating for themselves and and what works for them and you get a glimpse of like their interior life Mm -hmm. so like it's physical and it's also emotional you see the people they surround themselves with the conversations they're drawn to and it is individual work right and so we have to teach ourselves to do that individual work for ourselves Mm -hmm. and to and to notice we have to be aware of when we feel really connected and when we feel really disconnected Mm -hmm. and go okay well i feel disconnected when this is happening i'm gonna Maybe not avoid, but maybe limit my, you know, we can't avoid everything. Right. But I'm going to limit my exposure to this type of thing. I'm going to put, I'm going to put maybe a time limit on it. I'm I'm going to put my emphasis on those times when I feel connected. Well, what I hear you saying is that I will uphold my boundaries Mm -hmm. because... I cannot control right. the discomfort, but I can lean into the discomfort while also maintaining a right. boundary. And the boundary mm-hmm. is less about punishing other people and other circumstances and more about nourishing yourself. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because I yes. think sometimes people view boundaries as punishment. Mm-hmm. If you do and the this, bound- then I'll yes. do that. Yeah. And the yes. boundary isn't punishment. The boundary is a healthy way of responding to something that you don't thrive in. So this is not a this is not an environment I thrive in. Um, yeah, I can lean into the discomfort of it when I need to, but then I'm going to go back to I'm my replenish. space. I'm going to replenish yes. in these other spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that kind of helps me go back to like let's just say you have a job or your workplace doesn't feel like you can be your full, authentic, vulnerable mm. self. Yes. It's okay to set a boundary of saying, okay, I go to my job and I do X, Y, and Z, but you recognizing that maybe this is bringing feelings of discomfort, unhappiness, or non-fulfillment and recognizing what would make me feel more fulfilled. Yes. What type of space would I like to be more acquainted with and I think so many people are like no this is my my job or or my relationship or my 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 work insert blank right and so I must deal Deal. or learn how instead of saying this isn't working for me and I'm gonna look for the things that work and I think like in an instance like that where it's a job there's a couple of options right right look for a new job you right. look for the things that, that nourish you. You look for the place you're going to be happy. Or you change the job you have. You bring what you have into the workspace and see if you can have an impact on changing mm. the culture, on changing, you know, you, you are an advocate mm-hmm. for what for the changes that need to happen. Yeah. And there are times that, that you know, that's not going to work. Yeah, there's a time and place. But there are times that it will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's not avoidance. Sometimes it's advocacy mm-hmm. where we're like, let's change the place we are to more mimic the place we 
feel nourished by. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that can happen in relationships too. Oh, and yeah. that can change, that can change negative relationships when we're like, this isn't working, but it's not necessarily something I can get away from. Let's look at how I can bring what I have into this space and advocate for the things I need from this relationship. Yeah. And, and yeah, being aware of where you can have an impact and where you can't. Mm. Yeah. So I think a lot in a lot of ways life is an act of advocacy we're advocating for ourselves Mm. we'll have to have you back on the pod for sure okay um but where can our audience find you um i am on twitter uh i do a lot of my writing stuff on twitter it's at spotted pen um i have a website which is mostly my teaching portfolio which is shellyraysspots.weebly.com i believe We just want to share a big thank you to everybody who helped make this episode possible. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Drop into our DMs. You can find us on Instagram at I totally relate pod. Or you can share your feedback and insights with us at I totally relate pod at gmail.com. We totally want to get to know you. See you next time. Peace out.